Welcome to Where's the Lamb Sauce, a podcast that squeezes every last drop of entertaining testosterone-laced juice from Gordon Ramsay, tosses what's left in the bin and then digs him out again next week to try again, <laughs> whatever that means. I'm Dom Coker. And I'm Sam Lee. Enjoy that, Sam? A bit more familiar for you? I know last week you were quite critical of my minimalistic strip-back intro. <laughs> we are 10 episodes in now, officially 10 episodes. And every time I think we're going sort of, <laughs> to run out of things to find entertaining about Gordon, I watch the next episode and realise there's still so much gold to be mined. Do you find that as well? Yeah, that's definitely true. I mean, you and I have been talking about him pretty much non-stop for the last, what, decade. So it would be a bit of a shame <laughs> if two weeks into making a podcast we ran out of material. Um, but no, luckily for us, it's a very rich seam, isn't it? It keeps on coming. Yeah. And we should probably point out that between recordings, it's not like we take a break from Gordon at all, is it? We're still talking about him off the record <laughs> very much so all week. <laughs> Well, there's only a limited amount of things we've got to talk about right now. So inanely quoting Gordon is as good as anything else, to be fair. We actually saw each other for the first time in about three months, didn't we? Yeah, we did from a um, two metre distance. I mean, I was going to say it was nice. It was nice. It didn't feel particularly different to me. Did you feel guilty at all? Um, it's not like we're having an affair. <laughs> 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 that was not what I was implying. No, I know what you mean. It it, it did feel a bit naughty, but it's um, it is nice to be out and about a little bit more, even with that kind of slight cloud of guilt hanging over. So, what else are you doing that's so bloody important then? Well, I'm glad you asked. Things have been pretty um, high octane over here over the last couple of weeks. I've been um nurturing a sourdough starter for about a week if i'm not wrong yeah it's been about 10 days i'm gonna try and make a pizza with it tonight um i've got to say i wouldn't recommend this to anybody it's been such a faff the things died on me a couple of times i've had to revive i mean it's quite simple you just mix flour and water together but it's just the time it takes and it has taken over my life for about 10 days and i'm yet to see any reward whatsoever yeah I, when you told me about this last week um i thought oh that's you know that's quite that's quite a brave quite an advanced baking thing to do channeling your inner poor hollywood I thought that's quite impressive and um i thought you're just making sourdough bread but still you know very impressive i completely forgot to ask you how the result was and i asked you what yesterday oh how was your how was your sourdough bread by the way you're like it's it's um it's still being prepared yeah a, about a week a week later is that is that normal um i think so is that how all sourdough is made a, a week in advance yeah i think so you have to start preparing it th- th- a couple of days in advance at least but you've got to grow the starter which is basically the yeast that takes about a week to get to mature anyway it's incredibly boring and so far not very satisfying so anybody out there thinking about doing it don't bother anybody out there who does do it and has any advice for me, um, please let us know because I can't find one source of advice on the internet. Everybody seems to be as um, unhelpful as each other. So I would actually quite appreciate some feedback in that respect. Well, good luck to you with that appeal. (laughs) Did it tug on the heartstrings enough, do you think? (laughs) 
It did a bit. You, 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 you sound genuinely troubled by this. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, if I'd been making something for a week, <laughs> I, I would feel quite exhausted by it. And uh, I, I don't think I've ever dedicated this long to anything. No. Well, I mean, good luck. Uh, the internet has failed you when it comes to trying to find information on this, and you're now appealing to our audience. So <laughs> hopefully that's uh, that's slightly more fruitful. <laughs> <laughs> so shall we take a trip to Planet Gordon? Mm, yes, please. Last week, we devoted quite a lot of time to uh, unpacking 24 Hours to Hell and Back, Save Our Town, which is our latest discovery. We, we yeah. had seen the trailer for it and were left, I guess, both haunted and intrigued by an image of him in extensive Bo Selector-esque prosthetics. <laughs> so we deduced a little bit of meaning to it, but not much. Not much more. But then um, one of our American listeners um, kindly clarified the situation a bit more, didn't they? We've got um, Michelle in Arizona to thank for this. Uh, She got in touch after we kind of fumbled our way through a rough understanding of what 24 Hours to Hell and Back is all about. She told us that his dressing up is a regular thing, which is completely believable. (laughs) She also said that... Sometimes alongside Gordon's dressing up, as if that wasn't going to extreme enough lengths to hide his identity, sometimes he brings in a decoy Gordon Ramsay to throw them off the scent even further. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what that means. I mean, just the words... A decoy going around. Does that, it sounds like a, what, a, a lookalike? I think it would be a lookalike, yeah. I don't think it's just like a cardboard cutout on wheels, Home Alone style. Gordon's narcissism really does no no bounds, does it? This is amazing. What can I do that's even more dramatic? I'm going to bring in a fake me. I love it. So we so we know now that he does, he goes undercover with all, the, with all this makeup and... Um, costume and special effects he, he does this all the time so this would ex- this would explain why I've, I've also found an image of him online um as an old woman yeah i saw this one as well literally literally looking like mrs doubtfire and still hauntingly obviously gordon ramsay <laughs> <laughs> well uh, the, 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 the the plot thickens here because i'd love to see what he did with his voice oh yeah because um, when he went, when he went dressed up as the historian rabbi um, in Twenty Four Hours to Hell and Back, Save Our Town, the special, he still had, well, he still had his own voice, um, which I guess you could just about get away <laughs> get away with. Um, now, if you go dressed as an old woman, you've got you, you haven't got that luxury. So, what did he do? Did he just put on a Scottish woman's voice? <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna have to watch it. Absolutely, uh, Michelle has quickly become our informant when it comes to. America, Gordon in America. Our America correspondent. <laughs> so last week we touched on some of the Google reviews at Ramsey's restaurants in London. There was some great content there, all of it um, accidentally hilarious. Um, I couldn't help but have another dig around ahead of this week's pod. What, rest- what, what restaurant have you, uh, have you honed in on? I opted for restaurant Gordon Ramsay. The three Michelin star establishment in Chelsea. Oh, the flagship Gordon. Exactly. I thought if we're going to really cut to the core of who his fan base is and their experiences of the restaurant, that is probably the place to start. I mean, the first thing I will say is most of the comments are 
um, people saying things like, I turned up, I didn't get the lamb sauce, I was called an idiot sandwich, <laughs> one star. Um, which is which is a bit disappointing. But there's some there's some great stuff in there. I've pulled out a few of my favourites here. Um, one woman said, awful service, didn't see Gordon. Family were very upset. You ruined our time away. Also, the staff were rude cows. Oh. However, the toilets were perfect and I had a very good time in them. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> There's quite a lot to unpack in that review. Was she what what star rating yeah. did you get? What, what star rating did you give it? One star. But again, uh, we've already as as we discussed last week, you can't trust you can't trust a one star reviewer because um they're not they're not thinking straight. That amount, especially if they've had that amount of fun in the toilet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Their brain's going to be all over the place. There was another review that read, we had a lot of fun and foods were great. Awesome. That was also one star. <laughs> These people are getting confused with the star rating, aren't they? I think they're, they're, they, they, they do think it's, it's the equivalent to the Michelin guide. <laughs> but it's not all bad news, as one Google reviewer did see... Uh, the potential the restaurant has and said promising restaurant <laughs> <laughs> this is the three michelin star gordon ramsay eponymous restaurant shows some promise um funnily enough um i embarked on a similar mission this week for planet gordon mm. um i wanted to um I, went, I returned to Google to look at reviews of this restaurant, but I chose a more topical restaurant this time. And that is the Narrow Gordon Ramsay, which is a, I think it's a canal, oh no, it's a riverside kind of um, bar, riverside gastro. This is, this, is, this is no good. I don't care what you think it is. I want to know what it's described as on Google. Is it a happening parlour? Uh I've got that, and I'm afraid it's a little disappointing this week. I can tell you what the description is. Uh, modern British menu and real ales in large Thameside gastropub with flagstone floor and river views. I mean, that's straight out of the, you know, the good pub guide, isn't it? <laughs> it's quite descriptive. I felt like I was there for a second. I'm picturing the flagstones. Oh. Anyway, anyway, the reason... What is a flagstone? Like a big stone you use as, as, as a patio. Oh, right. Sounds like boring. Anyway, um... The reason why that was particularly topical this week is because it's it's re- the barbecue side of it has reopened. Mm. So I saw that. Also thought about your opinion last week that the three star Google reviews are the unsung hero of the user generated content world, and I wanted to stress test that against the narrow Gordon Ramsay. So I looked specifically at the three star reviews for this. And uh, do you want to hear? Do you want to hear a few of them? Yeah, I bet they're quite good because this sounds like a thoroughly three-star kind of restaurant. Um, I think the consensus is that it's a four-star one, actually. But but I, I get I, I get your point. Well, shall we um have a look at some of these three-star reviews to see if we can um elaborate a bit more on on the meaning of them? Let's. Okay. So the first one I found, which I thought was um you know quite quite informative, was. Nice place on the river for a drink, but that's it. What else do they want? <laughs> <laughs> what were they expecting? Well, I mean, I guess it's a restaurant. I don't know if they ate there, but I didn't say I didn't have anything to say about the food. <laughs> I mean, as far as you know, as far as 
a drinking experience goes, you can't really beat a drink by the river, can you? No, that's true. You could be in the worst place ever. As long as you're by the river, you're going to be fairly happy. Some people are very hard to please, mm. obviously. Uh, next one. Well, it was a tasty burger, but nothing more. Where was the where was the attention and the style? <laughs> That's really harsh. What more do you want from a burger? Yeah. I mean, again, it's a burger. I mean, how much style can you really give a burger? And it was tasty. So, again, so hard to please these people. Yeah. Yeah. Notoriously um, difficult, the Google review community, I think. Now, the next one is it's a bit of a roller coaster. There's more peaks and valleys than the Alps in this one. So I'll just read it out. Good food, slow Ooh, service, oh. freezing cold restaurant, oh. great views, oh. happy staff. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've got motion sickness. <laughs> I know, I've got, I've got whiplash. <laughs> Could they not have done a pros and cons paragraph there and, and separated the two? <laughs> um, and finally... And this is the creme de la creme of three-star reviews, I think. Was okay. That was it. That's all they said. <laughs> <laughs> that was mine. Anyway, that's um, that's that's the flavour of uh, three-star reviews in Planet Gordon this week. May, maybe we'll uh, continue this next week. Maybe not. I think that's pretty much it for our tour around Planet Gordon this week. Unless you have anything else, Sam, shall we quickly recap on last week's episode? Yeah, let's do that. And we were in Blackpool, weren't we? And it was um, a, a certified classic for both our podcasts, if I may say so, and Kitchen Nightmares in general. Yeah, the episode is great. I think we had one of the best characters so far uh, in the form of Dave Jackson. We had a classic uh, Kitchen Nightmares establishment in that it was just absolutely abject. And yeah, we had some absolutely brilliant quotes. What more could you ask for? That's what you want from Kitchen Nightmares, really, isn't it? It was the perfect advertisement for why, for why Kitchen Nightmares UK is, is such, a, such a brilliant TV series. A BAFTA-winning TV series, may I add. Is it? Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, quite right. And it's characters like Dave that have put in the hard work, I think, to earn that. I know. It's these completely hopeless and out of their depth people who show an element of vulnerability that we can kind of all relate to that make this such a great, great, great series, I think. Sometimes you get episodes where the owner is, you know, an arrogant prick or or, or the chef is, you know, so far up themselves... They don't know what's going on, but I think it's these ones where you actually quite like them. Yeah. That are the best. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's nothing redeeming about Dave as a restaurateur or a chef at all. No. But it's just this it's just this pure helplessness in that situation, which is which make which is what makes him easy to sympathise with. Yeah, I agree. And he's he's not a dick. He's not a bad person, I don't think. He's just um a plonker, according to Gordon. I, you can't sum it up any better than that, can you? No, not at all. Not at all. The perfect word. Um, but anyway, enough about Dave and Clubway 41 um, or, or Jackson's. Let's get stuck into this week's episode, which is uh, an Italian restaurant in Derby called yes. La Gondola. We'll see you there in part two. <laughs> 
Welcome back to Where's the Lamb Sauce, part two. We are in Derby this week at a restaurant called La Gondola. It's another Ristorante Italiano. Gordon's uh, first impressions of La Gondola when he's, uh, when he's um, approaching it is, uh, fuck me, it's fucked. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> which tells you all we need to know about the state that it's in. <laughs> yeah, it's this kind of ramshackle, enormous baby blue building in the back of a parking lot, isn't it? With peeling walls. It doesn't give the best first impression. Yeah, it it looks like it sh- it should have been used in The Shining. I think it looks quite fun, actually. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely a haunted house vibe about it. And um, there's plenty of frights in the restaurant too, aren't there? Oh, I like what you did there. Yeah, very good segue. Gordon describes it later in the episode as his toughest kitchen nightmare yet. <laughs> Which I, I feel like he said multiple times. He's definitely said that in pretty much every episode so far, I think. Um, but he's got a point this one does seem to be pretty difficult so the owner is a lady called Daniela who basically grew up in the restaurant um and now she's sunk 500 grand into it for some reason and and where and where did she get that 500 grand from oh yeah it comes from a divorce settlement yeah there's a story there in itself she must have married one of Darby's True big shots. Yeah, it's a shame we don't get to see this guy a bit later. I mean, Gordon normally invites influential local business figures into the restaurant, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good point. That would have that would have added an added bit of drama to uh, to to the to the relaunch part. <laughs> and you're totally right in the sense that the owner has also sort of grown up in the restaurant as well. I mean, she's got serious history with it. She was a a customer, a patron. She got married there, so clearly it's a wedding venue as well as a as a restaurant. And now she's decided to to own it. So you know the restaurant is a you know incarnation of her, really, which is not, not a good indictment. <laughs> well, you know what they say about never meeting your heroes. I guess there's an argument to be made for never buying your favourite restaurants either. <laughs> Wait, but how did you join those dots? It's quite, it's quite tenuous. <laughs> no, I just mean she's not approaching it with a level head, is she? She's loved this restaurant her whole life and she's bought it with the idea of continuing that dream, I guess, uh, which to me feels like a recipe for disaster. Indeed. Unfortunately, she didn't think of that well-known saying... Never buy those restaurants that you go to as customers. <laughs> but like I said, we look around the restaurant and it, yeah, it's full of you know these Doric columns, waistcoated staff, silver service vegetables. Um, it's so date, it's so dated. And I've said this before and I'll say it again. So many local provincial Italian restaurants are stuck in a time warp. I mean, when Gordon tries the menu here um he has a dish which includes ratatouille and roast potatoes i mean that says everything you really need to know about the culinary vision of la gondola yeah i mean you say this about most local italian restaurants and you've probably got a point but most of these restaurants have been around for years and they have this real kind of um, authentic charm, their family-run places. You know, you, this is true. you're friends with the owner and you know the lecherous singing waiters a little bit too well. Um, sadly, La Gondola has none of that charm, so it can't get away with the dated food. Um, 
which comes back to the real problem here, which is the food and the kitchen. You're, you're, you're totally right, as is often the case. Obviously, Ramsay is a chef, and his troubleshooting skills are drawn to the kitchen in most cases. Uh, and that's when we meet um, our head chef. Um, his name is Steve. Um, and, uh, I mean, where do you start with Steve? Um, when when he first meets Gordon, he does that cross thing that Christians <laughs> do when they're leaving church or, or entering church or about to say grace. I don't know how you describe it. Yeah, he does the, the, the Father, Son and the Holy Ghost, doesn't he? I think he's either preparing for a religious experience or maybe begging for forgiveness in advance. I'm not sure which it is. <laughs> I mean, you say where do you start with Steve? I think it's pretty straightforward. He's just a bit of a prick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's a prick, isn't he? Yeah, there's so yeah. I mean, there's so much that goes on in the episode where um, it's very hard to find any kind of sympathy for him at all. Yeah, I totally agree. The guy just doesn't care. He's lazy. He's arrogant. He's pig-headed. I mean, at one point, Ramsey says to him, "This is a walk in the park for you, isn't it?" And Steve replies by saying. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) His lack of self-awareness is astonishing. Uh, When he first meets him, Gordon challenges him on the menu, uh, particularly the quantities of food for each dish on the menu. Um, Case in point, the roast potatoes with the ratatouille and the vegetables and all that kind of all that kind of stuff. And Steve's response to that is, "That's how it's described on the menu." Yeah, like he can't, like he can't do anything about it. I know it's crazy, isn't it? A head chef ruled by his own menu. I've literally never heard anything yeah. like it. It's like he thinks, "Oh, he's got an answer for everything." That guy, isn't he? That's how it's described on the menu. <laughs> so we've got to do it. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, he's not as smart as he thinks he is, though, is he? I mean, this menu is shocking and it transpires as well that he's basically losing money with every order because the whole thing is so underpriced. I mean, he's not updated the prices or I think the menu itself for so long. Um, and that turns out to be one of the main things that's driving the restaurant into the ground. Yeah, so he's um, he's grossly negligent in the basics as a, as a head chef. And um, yeah... I think this plays into a, a very, uh, a very obvious narrative that he's a bit of a prick, and um, and he's also a prick to the people he works with as well. Um, he he takes his he, he he takes his position as a head chef um, very seriously in the sense he's a bully as well. Uh, he not not only is he incredibly lazy, uh, but he claims to not take any shit or mess around with second chances when it comes to his um, delegates in the kitchen. Yeah, he's basically a hollow Gordon Ramsay, isn't he? He's all the bluster and all the shouting, um, but without any of the talent or without any of the charisma or the encouragement. He is um, he's infuriatingly um, pretentious as well with the way he is trying to be their boss. Like I said, he, he, he tells Gordon that he doesn't take any shit and he doesn't accept first or second chances or anything like that. And, he, and, and, and Gordon says to him, fucking hell, you're worse than me from the sounds of it. And, may I, and I would, um, at this point, say to Gordon, I don't think that's strictly true. What is going on here, you? What is going on? One Reveille, one fucking Fogger. Hey, you, arsehole, you lost it again. 
You've lost it again. What's your big deal? Why don't you f off home then? Go on, f off home then. Hey, asshole. Why don't you f off home then? Why don't you f off home? Don't want to go. Why are you f up? Have you lost it? No, bro. Well, wake up, dickhead. What's the big deal? What about anyone so do far? Do you want to go home and cry to mummy again? No, like a big f***ing wuss? No, Gordon. Guy puts himself in the shit the kitchen, stands there bubbling like a f***ing baby. You don't need bite back as a guy. You got any bollocks, you? Yes, Gordon. Have you f***? As far as I'm concerned, they're you asshole. What's he doing, Mark? Four fucking bass, one study far, girl. One of you earlier, and you hadn't got the fucking on on. What's going on in your mind, you? What's going on in your mind? Can't keep up. Unbelievable. Wake up. Or next time, don't even set the alarm clock. Stay in your piss. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a classic outburst from Gordon. That was from Boiling Point back in 1999. Um, and that was Ramsey in uh, discussion with his staff in the kitchen. Um, so his claims that Steve is worse than him may not be quite true. Um, and also I'd like to mention, he does say at um, one point that there's no banter in the kitchen. I mean, Jesus Christ, if that's his idea of banter, I'd hate to go on a lad's holiday with him in tow. Can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> So that's um that's uh gives you a flavour of Steve's personality as a head chef and as a leader of um, La Gondola's Kitchen. Um, what about his skills as a chef? Well, yeah, I mean those skills are pretty much non-existent, aren't they? Um, Ramsay sets him a little task where he has to come up with a dish using only fresh ingredients, which shouldn't be too difficult for most head chefs. Um, and he falls back on a recipe that he's trying to remember from when he was a commie chef 35 years ago. Um, it's a trout thing stuffed with fennel and something else. And you think, has this guy not come up with a new recipe since like the mid 80s? <laughs> the guy is absolutely useless, isn't he? And he's really exposed in this challenge. Like his dish, he was a complete fish out of water in this situation. <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for acknowledging that. Oh, God. Very witty pun there. Gordon tries it, frowns, and then says, I think that's pretty dismal, actually. For a 51-year-old chef to produce that pile of crap, I'm fucking gobsmacked. <laughs> yeah, he really lays into him, doesn't he? And Steve is not happy um, about Ramsay's appraisal of his dish. I tell you who is happy, though. Behind him is uh, one of the waiters in the restaurant who's polishing glasses just conveniently within earshot. <laughs> and he seems to be having the time of his life as Steve is getting this dressing down from Gordon in front of everyone. But, I mean, God, how embarrassing to be called dismal. <laughs> well, it's such a great... <laughs> on the scale of, of, of shitness... On the, on the scale of poorness to describe something, Dismal's really at the bottom end, isn't it? It doesn't get much worse than Dismal. To be to be described as Dismal, what what <laughs> what are the connotations of that? Yeah, it's like a wet dishcloth, isn't it? It's totally lacking in <laughs> anything at all. Not even worthy of an explosive insult. Dismal is complete. It is a completely flaccid penis 
at an orgy, isn't it? Hmm. Um, um, yeah, I guess that's one way of putting it. <laughs> Where on the Ramseyometer do you think it comes? It must be pretty high, right? A nine or a ten? This was this was pretty. Yeah, this one must be right at the top. I mean, I can't think of a I can't think of a word offhand. I've heard him use that describes anything more negatively. I think he's described one or two people as a limp dick as well, which. <laughs> Uh, I know I'm talking about penises again here, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's uh, it, which again is something I'd, I would never want to be ascribed as. No, quite. Well, I'll tell you what, let's leave it there. Part three coming up. Welcome back to Where's the Lamb Sauce. We are in Derby at a restaurant called La Gondola. Um, and Gordon is taking the staff on an outing, as he likes to do to increase morale, to show them how things can be done, to give them something to aspire to. And so he takes them to the Rolls-Royce showroom or factory or something. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm presuming that um, Rolls-Royce is a, is a company located in Derby. I, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, I, I assume so. Yeah, I mean, Gordon takes, takes a team there um, under the guise of it, you know, making a point and that point is that Rolls-Royce has always been an innovative company that has moved with the times unlike La, La Gondola which is stuck in the past but really it's just an opportunity for Gordon to drive a Phantom isn't it a Rolls-Royce Phantom exactly that we're seeing the early stages of what we see a lot nowadays in his series which is basically using the program itself as an excuse to get in things that he's wanted to get in, whether that's a helicopter <laughs> or a car or, you know, the Marines or something like this. Or the owner's wife. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, a it's a particularly poignant moment Um when they're sat in this uh, this Rolls-Royce Phantom supercar, um, Gordon at the driving seat, and you've got Gareth in an England shirt sat in the passenger seat, <laughs> looking like he's very much stolen it. <laughs> so anyway, point made. Gordon drives back to the restaurant at some point, I assume, um, where he embarks on a PR campaign to start raising awareness of La Gondola. So he gets in the woman who does all the PR for Gordon Ramsay's restaurants and she walks in has a look around and says my first feelings and I don't mean to be negative are start all over again <laughs> <laughs> I mean where'd you go with that <laughs> to be fair I don't think she's been particularly well briefed she's talking to Daniela at one point and Stella the marketing manager or head of operations or whatever her title is and she's saying you know you've got this you've got to play to your strengths you've got this family run restaurant i'm thinking it's not a family run restaurant daniel no, yeah. just bought it with a divorce settlement it's kind of the opposite <laughs> this is remarkable that it's that side of the business is so neglected because the gondola has its own marketing manager i mean have you ever heard of a kind of independent restaurant with a marketing manager before. No, there's only about four people there. There's there's yeah. Daniela, there's Steve, 
there's a couple of the assistant chefs and and then there's this this marketing uh, is it a marketing manager is she an operations I, I don't really know I can't really remember but but as of yet the marketing has consisted of putting an ad in the classified section at the back of some paper and Gordon's looking through it and he can't even find it oh yeah and so after Daniela helpfully points out oh it should be under restaurants <laughs> he locates it and it's underneath all these kind of um, relaxing massage and various other dubious service offerings just on its own under there. So if that's all Stella's um, hard work, I'm not entirely sure she's justifying whatever her salary is. <laughs> he, de- he delights in finding the context, doesn't he, for, for that ad. But Stella is, um, is, is in kind of denial about the, um, the image of the restaurant, the state that it's in. Um, she insists that it's not got a bad reputation. It's got a medium reputation. And Gordon's like, no, it's got a shit reputation. There's nobody here. Nobody's coming. It has a shit reputation. And she's insistent that it, it has a medium reputation. Why is she fighting this? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's pathetic, isn't it? I mean, to be clinging on to a medium reputation in itself is like absolutely depressing. And to be trying to fight Gordon Ramsay, who, by the way, you've asked to come and help you because your restaurant's in trouble over this point. Oh. Yeah, I don't understand we see, it. We see it, we see it time and time again. Yeah. I think it's a bit of flirting from Stella. Like, those two seem to have some kind of chemistry, don't they? Oh. <laughs> you sure about that? It seems pretty one-sided if you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, maybe. I mean, I mean, there's that bit, isn't there, when uh, that Gordon Gordon is trying to get them to clear out all the old tap from the restaurant, including these old plastic bouquets of flowers. And um, you know, when they finally chuck them, um, he goes, "Oh, it feels good. It it kind of feels like I've got rid of my granny's pants. I'm starting to think about wearing a nice pair of sexy knickers." <laughs> <laughs> what, is, what does he mean by that? We don't shy away from the abstract and the surreal, but this makes absolutely no sense. Filthy, filthy mind, Gordon. And then he says to Stella, Stella, would you wear big granny pants up to here? (laughs) And her response is is pretty withering. She's just like, oh, stop it, Gordon. Stick to the restaurant or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. She's done me. She's got a point. But yeah, he's... um... This is this is uh, this, I love this about Gordon is that when he's um, when he's trying to be funny or when he thinks he's being funny, he will not let it settle. He will just keep like everything else he does. He will just keep chipping away with the same joke until someone until he gets a reaction from someone. Yeah, and he doesn't let it lie at that point with Stella. She says, "Oh, don't start Gordon or whatever," and he kind of gleefully squeals, "I'm just asking." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So she just has to say something and he'll take that as a victory. And I think all he really wants from her is to say, no, I, no, no, I wouldn't. But she just doesn't want to, she just doesn't want to give him the satisfaction, does she? She's like, no. oh, no, 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 I'm not answering that. And eventually she's like, no, I wouldn't. <laughs> but one um, one thing La Gondola is already doing that Gordon quite likes is uh, the flambe um, of, uh, of, of crepes. Which um, is I, I, it is very retro. I've not seen it before, um, but it looks bloody great. And those crepes look really good. Yeah, the crepes look amazing. It's quite a sweet scene, isn't it? Where it, is the waiter's name Martin? He's making it next to the table, 
and oh, yeah. Gordon's saying to him, he's like, you're so good at this. He's like, you're so fucking good at it. And he's like, oh, thank <laughs> you. You know, I, 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 I try my best, blah, blah, blah. Because the, the, the flambe station has been retired. Martin's been um, having to polish glasses and stuff like this for the last five years. Um, so he seems pretty thrilled to be back in the flambe game. And I rightly know. so, like those crepes look really good. Yeah, it's like um, it, it's like an old industry that's gone bust or is not needed anymore. That's been kind of you know snuffed out by the evolution. He can't put his flambe skills to. Uh, he can't use them anymore because that job doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, but Gordon's bringing it back. He's like the distraught ex-captain of a whaling ship who's now having to do river cruises. <laughs> 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 or someone who's really good at making bayonets or something, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know, you can't, I can't make bayonets anymore because nobody nobody uses them, unfortunately. <laughs> but if you do need a bayonet, <laughs> I'm bloody good at them. <laughs> I'm a dab and <laughs> he's like an asbestos fitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his line of work has gone extinct. But yeah, and does he realise how fucking rare it is for Gordon to say you're so good at anything? Like that's a that's a damn fine achievement. Well, I mean, you say that, and yeah, it is a rare thing. But he he finds another person in this very restaurant that he's quite keen on, doesn't he? Danny, the um, apprentice chef in the kitchen. This is so sweet. Who he absolutely loves. Seventeen-year-old guy, never really done much cooking. Seems to be on pot wash most of the time. And Gordon takes him under his wing, and really like boosts yeah. his confidence, doesn't he? Gets him running the veg station. He gives him loads of advice. He's really encouraging and nurturing. And it's quite a sweet little relationship those two have, isn't it? Yeah, it's really it's really endearing. Actually, I, it, we saw this with um, with kind of the background characters didn't we in some of the earlier um episodes of kitchen nightmares he you know he kind of um he, he developed a, a close connection with with some of the quieter people but who you know who had some potential I and mean, we haven't seen it for a while but this was a welcome return um and again it's well it's he, all... he got stung didn't he by a couple of them because oh, he yeah. offered several of them jobs and then they sacked them off after a couple of weeks so i think he's learned not to be quite so encouraging um so quickly mm. I, I did check to see it, if it offered Danny a job and it, it, he doesn't seem to have done <laughs> <laughs> he's left him in Derby anyway he's um, I'm sure he had a profound effect on uh, on Danny in, on a short term basis at least yeah so they chuck out all the crap they don't really do much else to the restaurant do they but I guess it looks a little bit better um, they have the relaunch they invite influential Derby business people minus Daniela's ex-husband um, and all that really comes to light is how terrible Steve is in the kitchen yeah he bottles it doesn't he um, yeah. for the big for the for, for our big kitchen nightmares episode relaunch you know this is the the chance for the the head chef for all of their flaws and shortcomings is a chance for them to you know to really stand up and and and, and be counted no he um he bottles it and uh, and gets gordon to um to run the kitchen which is just I've, insane yeah. isn't it i've never seen anything like this i mean this is what 10 11 12 episodes into kitchen nightmares and no matter how bad all the chefs have been They've all at least had a crack at yeah. improving and showing Gordon that they can do it. Steve just 
doesn't care. He just can't. He just can't be bothered. He just gets Gordon to run the hot plate instead. I just don't. I, I don't understand. I don't understand what he's doing there. And we see how much he really cared because uh, you know uh, when Gordon returns um, a year later, we find out that Steve quit a week after Gordon left the first time. I think it was the day after. The day after. I think Gordon left and Steve quit, uh, which makes you just think, you know. Yeah, I don't even know. It's 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 just frustrating. Don't know why he wastes everyone's time. No, and especially because um, he, he, Gordon seems to have made a decent impact on this one. Um, and actually, for that relaunch, the one where Steve bottles it, I mean. The evening looks pretty good. I, I quite like the look of this place. The music is in full swing. The flambe is causing a bit of a stir. The customers are laughing. And the mood is so good there. We see something we thought we would never actually see. And that is Gordon dancing. It's such a rare treat, isn't it? Yeah. He's previously even gone to the lengths of physically running out of a restaurant to avoid dancing back at oscars wasn't it as 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 maureen tried to drag him onto the dance floor and it turns out all it takes is a random blonde woman in a figure hugging dress <laughs> in a low-cut low-cut figure hugging dress <laughs> and suddenly <laughs> he's john travolta <laughs> who knew yeah i mean usually if you want to if you want to see gordon ramsay run a mile just tell him to dance, but not not this occasion. Um, he's 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 all over it. As he comes off the dance floor, <laughs> you know, slightly out of breath, he says, "The last time my feet moved like that, I was on the football pitch," which <laughs> offers a real insight as to why he never became a professional footballer. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, so when Gordon revisits, um, the reports are still glowing, actually. They've got a new chef, a guy called Wayne. He seems energetic and switched on. There's a grand piano now in the dining room. Um, I think it's still... I, I, I maintain that I would actually eat in that place. It looks like a bit of an experience. Yeah, it looks like it would be a decent night out. Um, unfortunately, you can't because it's closed down. Ah, oh, that, that was going to be my next question. Can I? Can I go to Derby and eat there? Sadly okay. not. What a shame. So uh, we haven't been keeping account of the restaurants that have remained open and the ones that have closed, but it's almost unanimously closed at the, <laughs> within within a couple of years, isn't I it? I think maybe two are still open. Really? Out of all of the episodes we've done so far, which to be fair is two more than I would have expected going into this. Yeah. Hard to keep these places open. I mean... Considering these were these episodes were filmed fifteen years ago or whatever. Yeah. Insult of the week time. Oh baby, I've missed you. Insult of the week. It's been a while. Yeah, we took a week off, didn't we? We did. We did. I think we took more than a week off, didn't we? I think it was a a couple of weeks at least. Well, we took a week off last week for religious reasons because oh. we felt it would be disrespectful <laughs> to single out. Uh, one insult when we had that beautiful exchange between. Uh, Dave and Gordon um, but we can get back into it this week I think yeah we abstained on principle last week which is very important uh, this week yeah. um, it's an easy it's an easy nomination for me and that is I think that's pretty dismal actually you know I'm a fan of the understated insults and this is for me is the daddy of understated insults that could only have come from Gordon's mouth and 
I think it's going to bring the word dismal back into fashion again. I'm campaigning for it. The dismal renaissance. <laughs> do you have, do you have um, uh, another, uh, another nomination? No, I don't actually. I completely agree. Dismal. Love it. Do you want to hear about where we are going next week? And it's somewhere a little more exotic than Blackpool and Derby. Ooh, um, yeah, tell me. Get your, get your sun cream, Sam. We're going to Spain. Ooh. Costa del Sol. Unbelievable. That's a bit of a departure, isn't it? Yeah. Now, um, as many of you may be aware, Gordon did a kind of spin-off series to Kitchen Nightmares um, after the original Kitchen Nightmares series finished called Costa del Nightmares. Now, this isn't part of it. Um, and I think there are one or two occasions in the main series where he does go further afield and he does go abroad. And, and, and this is one of them. Um, and it's a restaurant called La Para de Buriana. Do we know what that means? No, I don't. No idea. Um, uh, but I, I do. I do have some memories of this episode, and, I, and um, it's it's a it's a great one. It's a really good one. Lots of silly metaphors. Lots of daft menu ideas. Um, lots of um, lots of arguments. I think there's a good a good handful of insult of the week nominations. I think it's going to be a good one. Love it. So basically, Ramsey goes on a jolly to Spain once and likes it so much, he turns it into an entire series later on. Exactly. Yeah. Classic Ramsey. Top up the tan. And, and the episode opens with um, some uh, wide shots of him in a yacht. Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Um, well, I can't wait for that. Um, before then, if anyone wants to get in touch with us, as always, we're on Instagram at lambsaucepod. Um, please do let us know your feedback. Let us know if there's anything you like. Let us know if there's anything you think is dismal. Um, and equally... <laughs> please do continue to share it with your friends if you think they're weird enough to enjoy listening to this. Uh, We'll see you next week in Spain. Until then... Don't have nightmares.